Hello and welcome to the Amnesty International podcast, where we'll be looking at some of the recent issues we've been working on and hearing from some of our campaigners, researchers and activists around the world. Last month, Amnesty was at the first Pride to be held in Serbia, and we have a report on what this means for lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender rights in the region. We'll then hear from our Nigeria researcher on the dilemma facing those living in slums along the Port Harcourt waterfront. How many people they came here? They come break this man in the window. They come that come out, come out, all of the military where they want to face us. Come out. Immediately later, we don't come here. Finally, we take a brief look at Chinese activist Liu Xiaobo, who was awarded this year's Nobel Peace Prize, yet still finds himself behind bars after 11 years. I believe this is the key issue. Whether we have or have not the freedom to write freely is a crucial precondition for the elevation of the spiritual quality of mankind. But before all that, we have a roundup of some other news. The Indonesian government should initiate an independent investigation into reports of torture and other ill-treatment in Papua over the last two years. A video published online showed Papuans being kicked and physically abused, in some instances by men in uniform. Italian authorities need to investigate urgently whether 68 people rescued at sea and then forcibly returned to Egypt within 48 hours were given the opportunity to apply for international protection. These mass expulsions appear to have taken place with no regard for the rights of people to seek asylum and in breach of Italy's obligations under international refugee and human rights law. India's Ministry of Environment and Forests rejected a six-fold expansion of the Vedanta aluminium refinery in the Langajar area. Residents of 12 villages who lived in the shadow of the massive refinery, mostly Majikonda Adivasi indigenous communities and Dalit communities, who rely on agriculture for their livelihoods, have long campaigned against the expansion, arguing it would further pollute their land and water. After new evidence emerged in files released by the WikiLeaks organization, Amnesty called on the USA to investigate how much US officials knew about the torture and other ill-treatment of detainees held by Iraqi security forces. The new disclosures appear to closely match the findings by Amnesty International new report, which details widespread torture and other ill-treatment of detainees by Iraqi forces. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people mark International Human Rights Day on the 10th of December by taking part in Right for Rights, Amnesty International's letter-writing marathon. I met Walid Yunis Ahmad in June 2010 at the Asajj Gishti prison in Erbil, which is in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. Um, when the Amnesty delegation met Walid, um, he looked very tired. He was obviously very tired after having spent 10 years detained without charge or trial. Walid Yunis has gone through solitary confinement, torture, now he's detained without knowing why he's detained, without any trial. And of course, this has an impact on him. He told us he, he is depressed. And I think it's very important that um, members write to the Kurdish authorities um, to let them know that we know about the case and that we keep on lobbying for Walid. But also it's important that members write solidarity letters to Walid Yunis Ahmad, because of course this is um, giving him new hope and we don't know if he will be there for another day or for another 10 years. But meanwhile, it's important that Walid knows that in the outside world, people are still thinking about him. That was Kovadonga de la Campo speaking about her experience meeting Walid Yunus Ahmad. 
If you've got a spare few minutes and the inclination to put pen to paper or perhaps fingers to keyboard, then you can find out more by going to www.amnesty.org forward slash individuals hyphen at hyphen risk. And in doing so, you may change lives. And we'll tell you more about that and introduce you to someone for whom the letters written to him were the key that got him out of prison. That's in next month's podcast. The first gay pride march in Belgrade for nearly 10 years ended in violence as a handful of extremists hurled stones and explosives at the police. Scores of police officers were injured and buildings and vehicles were set on fire, turning the centre of Belgrade into a no-go zone. But despite the hostile atmosphere and disruptions, the pride still went ahead. Vincent de Gert, head of the EU delegation. It's not a question of how many pride parades you have to organise before you join the European uh, Union. What is important is that you have a good legislation, that this legislation, anti-discrimination legislation, is properly applied. And one way of showing that it is applied is to allow this kind of events to take place because it's freedom of expression and it's uh, freedom of assembly. And this is what we are attached about. In a square in the centre of Belgrade, Amnesty International activists joined more than a thousand people, including EU ambassadors and Serbian politicians. Pride activist Maida Puacha spoke to the crowd before they marched through the capital. Last year we said it was time for equality, but the state banned the pride. Now it is clear that it was not their intention to support a pride. Nobody was held responsible for the intimidations and death threats, but this year we are going to walk together. It's important that it's happened. This is really a historical moment that we are now walking, that it's, uh, people come from different areas, they come from different backgrounds, so I think that this is important. This is about, you know, non-discrimination. About dignity, I mean, about, about rights. Dignity. It's about dignity, about your right to think, to be whatever you want. This is important for human rights across, not just in Serbia, but for the progression of human rights across East Europe and the Balkans altogether. Despite the Belgrade Pride Parade being a triumph for freedom of expression in Serbia, it was still evident that Serbian society has a long way to go before everyone can enjoy the human rights taken for granted in most of the rest of Europe. Frank van Dalen, chairman of ProGay. Obviously, we haven't seen that many gays and lesbians, Serbian gays and lesbians, uh, participate in the march, which is uh, very clear why they're not here, because there's so much media, and when they get uh, exposed in the newspaper or on television, uh, they will get fired, or they will thrown out of family structures, or they will get pestered or beaten up. So the society is not uh, ready uh, for all gays and lesbians in society to really open up and participate in uh, a march like this. And... Also, that means that we can be very proud of those people who actually did. Because those are the frontliners that we need in changing society. Next, we have a report from Amnesty International's Tawanda, Hondura, on Port Harcourt in Nigeria, where at least 200,000 people are at risk of being made homeless by the government. If you can imagine a situation where a community of people gather, use their own resources in order to reclaim land from the sea, and over time they build houses. They are not perfect, most of them are slums, but these are people who are trying to survive, to have a life. Then overnight, the government decides the land is prime real estate, and the authorities start moving in, using extreme force. 
How many people they came here? They come break this man in the window. They come that come out, come out, all of the militants where they want to face us. Come out. Immediately later, we don't come here. Last year there was an eviction in Bunduama. I can tell you the people were terrified. The police came with armored personnel carriers, with guns. They were shooting indiscriminately. The boy was lying down here. I opened this my downstairs. I was talking to him. They said, cool down, you will not die. You will not die. I was give, encouraging him that you will not die. Wait. You will not die that way. Twelve people were injured. At least one person was killed. And the authorities have not initiated any investigation. If anything, the authorities insist that Bundu Armour will be demolished, as will all the other waterfronts, and that they will continue to use extreme force. <laughs> the state, in its wisdom, decided that they want to forcibly evict people from their homes, not provide alternative accommodation, not provide any of the amenities that you and I will take for granted. Whatever plans are put in place to develop the waterfront, the individuals who are affected, the people that are affected must be provided with alternative accommodation. Those who are most vulnerable in society, the old, the unemployed, um, people who are ill, special provisions must be put into place to make sure that they have adequate accommodation. Liu Xiaobo is an individual who has for many years spoken out over human rights abuses in China. He's been, in a sense, the voice of the conscience of Chinese civil society, someone who has very high standards for himself, his government and his society. But it was still controversial when he was awarded this year's Nobel Peace Prize. Corinne Barbara Francis, China researcher at Amnesty International, remembers when she first met him. I met him in the late 80s when I was a student at Beijing University, and, and already you knew that he was an exceptional person. Liu Xiaobo should not be in prison. Anyone who just speaks out, expresses their opinions, political opinions, who, is comp who are completely non-violent, should be released. Liu Xiaobo speaking to Penn in 2006. In my opinion, after the Cold War, the degree of liberty in China is related to the whole world and has directly corresponded to the progress of world civilization. Dare I say that, to a certain extent, if the Chinese people have the support of the whole world, we can work together to change China from a totalitarian state, a state without freedom of writing, into a free nation where each individual can express himself or herself freely and write as well as publish without barriers. Then we will have elevated the standard of civilization of the whole world. Somebody who receives the Nobel Peace Prize should not be languishing in a Chinese jail for 11 years. He should be released. All the other individuals like him should be released. We hope and expect that this will send a message you know, to the community of activists that, that we value their work, that the international community values its work. It should also be a message to the international community, including governments all around the world, that they need to speak out. They need to speak out for people like Liu Xiaobo. They need to pressure the Chinese government and tell the Chinese government that we condemn putting people like him into prison. 
that the world will move to become a place in which writers can create freely. I believe this is the key issue. Whether we have or have not the freedom to write freely is a crucial precondition, the elevation of the spiritual quality of mankind. That brings us to the end of the podcast for this month. But if you've been interested, inspired or moved by anything you've heard and would like to join or support Amnesty International, then our web address is www.amnesty.org. You could also join our coming letter writing marathon or you can find out about some of our actions or make a donation or get in touch with your local Amnesty group. Thanks for listening. <laughs>